One thing that I love about Spring Hill is I can ask a question and you will actually give me an answer from, from here. So I like that interaction. I'm going to do it again today. I'm going to throw out two questions. I'll ask you to answer one. And one was given to me my first day in seminary uh, by a 70-year-old missions pastor in front of probably 300, uh, well, I'll say 100 incoming students. And he said, uh, how are you saved? How do you become a Christian? And someone would answer, because we have all the answers in the world. We are brilliant, right, Brian? As, as new seminarians, we are brilliant. And uh, so people shot up hands and he would go, wrong! And someone else would say something, he'd go, wrong again! And he just, he slayed everybody because our theology was bad. And I thought, good Lord, what have I gotten myself into? I just paid a ton of money and uh, I've got to start all over. But he, he broke it down to, we are saved through our belief in Jesus Christ only. And we always wanted to tag something on that. So my question to you is, how, how do you become saved? How are you a Christian? And we'll look into that today in the book of Galatians, which is a phenomenal book. The other question that I have to you that I want feedback on, because you guys are really, really, really smart. When you are free when you are free <clears throat> think back to when you got your first bike you remember your first bike mine was red what color was yours someone said red that's a great answer how did you you, you got a chance to, to ride anywhere that you wanted for the most part when your parents weren't looking right how did that freedom feel Sneaky. I knew that was going to come from you. <laughs> what about the first time you got in the car and you could go anywhere that you wanted? What? Fast? <laughs> Good. The idea of freedom. It's almost like a relief, isn't it? You go, finally. Finally. This is, it's like a burden was left. Now let's take the opposite. What does it feel like when you are, um, I would say chained down, or when you are the opposite of having freedom, and you are burdened down? I have to do this. What's the difference in the feeling in that? We've all felt that. Let me push and pry a little bit. Have you ever been in a relationship where you just felt like this cloud is over you and you just had to do this? Or you just, you had the opposite of freedom. How did you respond to that? What were your feelings there? Okay. Quite different, isn't it? We live our life when we understand we have freedom differently than when we are bound up and when we are put upon. And we're going to look at Galatians today where we see that Paul is into this, he's really in a fight. And if you look at who he's talking with, he's got two groups he's talking to. One is a group of people who have taken a church group and in a sense, split them and said, it is, 
yes, it is through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, but it's also the Mosaic law. And don't, don't forget about the Mosaic law. Don't forget about the works. And Paul is saying, no, it's Jesus Christ only. Jesus Christ only. And he's got a group, and we'll talk about this later. He's got a group that's got their head on a swivel because they don't know their Bible. They don't know. Paul calls them spiritually naive. He's saying, guys, you should know this. But this is the truth. And they're listening and they're being pulled both ways. And it's about how, do you, how are you truly a Christian? How are you saved? And what does it mean to be free in Christ? So let me dive in to this now. The church is being torn apart by this question. How are you saved? One group said it was faith in Jesus and the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments. And the traditions. They were telling people not to forget about the Jewish traditions and festivals. You need to follow these things to be truly saved. Paul said no. It was only believing in Jesus. And if you read, Paul is very strong in his response. And this shows a pastoral heart. And if I can give you kind of a little bit of glimpse into that of context. When you read Galatians, you're going to go, man, this is kind of harsh. Paul's just really teeing off on these guys. But I'm going to pick on Brian, and, and Ryan's probably coming in later. As pastors, we feel a responsibility. If someone were to come into here preaching heresy and pulling the church apart, that's game on. That is where we stand up and say, no, that is completely wrong. This is orthodoxy. This is what Scripture says. And that's Paul's response because he has a love and a passion for the people of his church and the church of Jesus Christ. So that passion that you see is really his love for the Savior and his people. It was causing people to question the very essence of what a Christian is, and their head was on a swivel trying to figure out what was right. We see this today in times in our churches and our world. This is around us more than we think. I've had in-depth conversations with leaders that say salvation is through Jesus' death and by following the Ten Commandments. They would say, these two are connected like two sides of a coin. You can't have one without the other. They will quote James and say, without faith, what? Works is dead. I point out that this verse is not talking about salvation, but a life of freedom in the spirit. Other places will say it's, it's believing in Jesus Christ and baptism. And that's when we'll jump in and say, well, what do you mean by that? Is it baptismal regeneration or not? Other churches take a legalistic approach and state that members of the congregation need to be at church X amount of times a year. If they don't make that number, they will be visited by two church elders and their salvation is examined. This is a form of control and legalism that is based on a works mentality. This causes the congregation to live in fear and pressure and question their own spirituality and their salvation. It's very works-focused rather than freedom in Christ. I've talked with 
people who say that they are trying to be a good Christian, but it's not working. Have you ever heard that? Maybe you've said that. I'm trying to be a good Christian, but it's not working. They begin to question if they, uh, if they are a Christian and if God is even real. Their idea of Christianity is following rules and living a certain lifestyle. It's a thought that will lead a person to crash and burn because their understanding of following Jesus is based on works. I remember having a conversation with an ex-pastor. It was a quick conversation, but it told me volumes. We asked him how he was doing. We haven't seen him, you know, talked to him for a long time. And he, and, um, he said, I gave God 10 years of my life, and now the rest is for me. And it wasn't, I took that as a huge burden. He saw the pastorate and the walking with Christ as a burden of rules to be done and others to be avoided rather than to be celebrated. And his, I gave God 10 years and the rest is mine. Shook me. There's that lack of freedom in Christ that he had never experienced, even as a pastor. But how does God's word teach us to live in freedom and walk in his spirit? Let's read Galatians 5, 1 through 6, and it starts. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision... Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith through love. Paul is saying, as Christians, we have received freedom from sin through Jesus' death on the cross. He writes, we have literally been set free. Look again, again at Galatians 5.1a says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. What does it mean to be set free? Free from what? Paul points out that we were slaves to sin, but through belief in the work of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection, we are set free from the law. Let's look at Galatians 3, 10 through 14. One thing I learned preaching this out at Legacy, there's a lot of scripture through this, so it's it's a lot to read, but it's great scriptures. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide in all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. 
so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might become or might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. You see, what the law does not give is salvation. Works does not give us salvation. It is only through belief. But it does point people to Jesus. The law is a great thing in its proper place. And when we understand what the law does, it points people to Jesus. And Galatians 3, 19 through 24 says this, Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. He's talking about Jesus. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more more than one, but God is one. Is the law given then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scriptures imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we may be justified by faith. Understand that Paul is not condemning the act of circumcision nor the traditions, but he is saying, don't put the work of circumcision towards salvation. Don't put works towards salvation. It's only in belief in Christ. This is an external act rather than an internal transformation. And there's a big, big difference. It's grace and law, isn't it? What do works do? Works give evidence in our life as Christians to Christ working in our lives. Have you ever had someone come to you and say, how do you handle stress so well? How do you get through this situation? You say, because I'm really, really good. And you know that's a lie. You say, it's because Jesus Christ gives me the strength to get through. And what that does is that that action that you have shows Jesus Christ to a wanting world. It points out Jesus is inside of you. And your actions point to him. The law was set up for, because of transgressions to point people to Jesus Christ. Um, I'll give you an example, but understand examples will break down. But this may help. Have you ever been in a household that is starting to get out of control and your mom or dad slam their fist down on the table and they say, we're going to have house rules from now on. This is getting out of control. You're always going to be, use my example, you're always going to be a Hampton. But the Hamptons will live in this way. We will respect, you write down 10 ways that we are going to Love. We are going to care for each other. We are not going to talk back. We will pick the weeds when we're supposed to. Whatever your rules are. But it helps to bring order. And in the case of the law, it points to Jesus Christ later coming. It was acting as a guardian. In the, in the biblical sense, it, it, it's like a nanny shepherding a young child, which was very common in that era. 
But soon the child grows up and no longer needs the nanny. It's a little awkward for a 30-year-old to be running back to the nanny saying, how am I supposed to live? The nanny goes, I've already taught you. I've already told you. We are not saved through the law. We are saved through a belief in Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, the church was choosing works over grace and missing the gospel message of Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 states this, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not by your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So what does a life of freedom look like? We've pushed aside the idea that being saved and being a Christian is one through works. And it is only by the grace of God. We've heard that since we were this big. But sometimes we don't connect with it to a point where we say, I have freedom in that. What does that look like? What does freedom look like? Let me give you four points on what that looks like. Freedom is serving one another. Freedom is serving one another. In my sinfulness, boy, I want to be served, right? Maybe you're the same way. I want to be served rather than serving others. But you know what? There's so much more freedom in serving others. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom for the opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Are we doing that? Who have, who have you served this week? Who have you served this month? How have you done that? Have you done that in a way that expects something pretty cool in return? Have you served out of love, focusing only on the other person and going, I don't really care what comes out of this. I'm going to serve that person. We have a tremendous amount of serving opportunities here at the church. The children's ministry is up and running like crazy. We've got high school uh, going gangbusters. There are plenty of places to serve here. But what about in Bozeman? How are you serving in Bozeman? And are we doing it out of love? Freedom allows us to do that. Freedom allows us to do that. Paul is addressing the obvious concern that freedom comes, the opportunity to sin. I'm forgiven. Why not run wild? You ever thought about that? I'm in heaven. Let me live the, the life that I want. This could be fun. With freedom, we do not have the license to sin. We have an overwhelming blessing to serve others and demonstrate Christ's love for them. Two, freedom avoids the pride and hopeless model. The pride and hopeless model. What does that mean? If we are following rules, and I'm getting those rules right, and I'm living them good, Man, good for me. I've had conversations with people say, you know, I've been following the Ten Commandments. I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I've, you know, God is blessing me. I think things are going really well. I'm following the Ten Commandments. And, then, and quickly I pointed out two things. And I'll say one was covetedness. Do you covet? We talked about that. Well, yeah, I do. Okay. What happens if you break one, of, one law? 
You break all the laws. So you're not doing really that well. Ten Commandments were to pointing us to Jesus Christ and the Savior. The hopeless model is looking at the, at the laws and looking at how we should be and going, there's no way on earth I can do that. I cannot keep up. You ever felt like that? You ever been in a race and just go, I cannot keep up. And when we focus in on works, you cannot keep up. So now you're hopeless and you're depressed. But what does God call Christians? What does Paul say in other epistles? He calls us saints. You are a saint, saved through Jesus Christ and free. So you don't have the pride and you don't have the hopelessness. You are a saint, and that brings freedom. Three is this. Freedom allows us to be passionate disciples of Christ. Paul was clear when he said the Galatians are spiritually naive. They should have understood Scripture and not been led astray as easily by charismatic leaders. A passionate follower of Christ dives deeply into the Bible and knows when they are being fooled. Have you ever been fooled biblically? Years ago, we used to do street evangelism, and I would, we would talk to people and say, do you know Jesus Christ um, is God? He is he's divine. And I've had, at that time, people actually just completely turn me into a pretzel biblically. It's because I didn't know. I hadn't spent time in that. I hadn't spent time in the Word on that question. And I went home and figured it out. Yeah, Jesus is divine. He is God. And biblically, it says this. It forced me to jump into Scripture and not be moved by different arguments. Finally, this. Freedom is walking in God's Spirit. Romans 8, 2 through 8 sums it up beautifully. The role of the law and the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not in according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to this flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Finally, this. What does a church, knowing we are not bound by works, but are free, look like? I've been talking a lot about you individually, but what about a body? What about a church? What does that feel like? What does that look like? I'll leave it at this. It's a church that freely serves others. It's a church that lives knowing that you are a saint. And it's a church that's passionately pursuing Christ. So the question I would leave is, are you free? Are you free? Let's pray. 
Father, again, what an honor it is to be free in Christ. To understand that we come to you in belief. And we are driven to do good works out of thankfulness for your death on the cross and your love for us. Father, I pray as we leave that we would understand how we can serve each other better out of freedom. How we can see ourselves clearer in understanding who we are in Christ. And Lord, that you are with us and that you love us all the time. Father, thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ and his grace. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.